Welcome back to the Mel K Show. It's been quite a week. I have been live all week, every morning. If you missed it at 9.30 a.m. from Davos with the great, brilliant Nor Ben Laden out there in Switzerland. And she joins me now again for the wrap-up show and uh, extra information that maybe we didn't get out during the week, but is really important for context. Thank you for joining me, Nor Ben Laden. Thank you for having me, Mel. Great to be here and to do a little wrap-up. I'm sure this uh, eventful week here in Switzerland. Yeah, and we're both we've both been on top of it. What's great is uh, for the first time in uh, since we've both been tracing these people and tracking these people for you know a decade almost. The truth is that people are really awake. They're aware worldwide. Uh, America was kind of late to the game to kind of put together these dots, but now it's right in the open, and we're watching a lot of people exposing this. But nobody's done it quite like you. So. First and foremost, I want to play uh, Gutierrez from the United Nations speech uh, yesterday, and then we'll start from there and we'll go through what people should be paying attention to and focusing on in terms of what just happened in Davos and where we're headed in 2024. So uh, go ahead and play that clip. Dear friends, when global norms collapse, so does trust. And I'm personally shocked by the systematic undermining of principles and standards we used to take for granted. I'm outraged that so many countries and companies are pursuing their own narrow interests without any consideration for our shared future or our common goals. And I'm certain that unless we take action, we can expect much, much worse. So let's be clear, rebuilding trust is not a slogan or a PR campaign. It requires deep reforms to global governance to manage geopolitical tensions during a new era of multipolarity. And it is essential to building a safer, more stable and prosperous world. So, dear friends, the institutions and frameworks of global governance, from the Security Council to the Bretton Woods system, were created 80 years ago. We can't build a future for our grandchildren with a system built for our grandparents. The United Nations is fully engaged this year in efforts to bring them up to date, rooted in equality and solidarity, based on the UN Charter and international law. In September, we will host the Summit of the Future focused on solutions. And the summit will consider essential reforms to the global financial architecture to make it responsive to today's challenges and representative of today's world. I think the uh, th one thing that we really need to get across to everyone, Noor, that maybe isn't as clear as it is to us, is that the United Nations, and that was Gutierrez, obviously, and the World Economic Forum are basically one and the same. And this isn't new. This is in the 90s when Kofi Annan was still in there, around the time that we know Al Gore and, and Clinton and all these people were starting with the climate dialogue and the climate narrative. Um, Kofi Annan was there in Davos talking about that the public-private partnership of the World Economic Forum and the United Nations were basically partners. Many times over the, the past 30 years, uh, they've iterated this over and over, and yet people still don't seem to connect that the World Economic Forum is the global public-private partnership, the stakeholder capitalists of what the UN are discussing. And that also connects to a lot of work that you've done on the WHO, on the IPCC, on UNESCO, all the way to uh, the banking cartels of the IMF, World Bank. So this is not a, a one group off, another group off. They actually work in a type of swarm 
platform where they all interact with each other and then they have their Intel partners and all of that. So I, I wanted you to talk a little bit about who we're really dealing with and what their goal is and how they coordinate with each other under the umbrella, some say of Agenda 2030, or uh, there's been many agendas, but we have the Summit of Future coming up and a lot of these other things. So I thought maybe it's good to articulate that these aren't individual groups and that they have NGOs on top of that. So they kind of spread out everywhere and have infiltrated the world on a massive scale without people really fully understanding that. Uh, you hit the nail on the head, Mel. Uh, these are all tentacles of the same octopus, and they're one and the same. They're just um, different vehicles of the same engine, uh, if you will, for the image, pardon me, but they're all working hand in hand, advancing the agenda where they can. And I thought it was important that we start uh, the wrap-up show with, these, with this address by uh, Secretary General Antonio Guterres of the UN, because he said quite a few things very plainly in that speech that really spell out what the agenda is of the globalists, what the Davos agenda and the globalist agenda is. And uh, earlier in the speech, uh, not in this clip, he said a very simple sentence. He said, global solutions for global challenges. And I actually tweeted out, you know, why are these challenges global in the first place? They globalized um, the world, and now they want to come up with the solutions for the problems that they created in order to consolidate power and control. And um, in that clip we just saw, you, you know, he called for deep reforms of global governance. And it just means that he wants to, um, or they, the globalists rather, they want to accelerate and continue in this process of implementing different instruments, different policies, different treaties, different regulations. Um, in order to centralize uh, power and uh, centralize control over our lives. And he said something else in that clip, um, if the audience didn't catch it, he really admonished countries and companies who are, quote, pursuing their own narrow interests instead of common goals and principles. And uh, he also said um, in that speech that he is convinced that, quote, we can build a new multipolar global order. And we need to understand that in his eyes, and he also mentioned this, multipolarity, they're all pushing for multipolarity because multipolarity is the gateway to the new world order. And uh, you have to, you just have to listen to their words. He said it very plainly, Mel, in that address. So you really got to pay attention to what they say because everything is out of, in the open. They call us conspiracy theorists, but first of all, it's not a theory, but more importantly, it's not a conspiracy because it's all out in the open. It's not hidden. Right. Exactly. And it's very important for people to understand what you're saying, because this idea of a multipolar world, unipolar world, rules-based order, all of this, first of all, no one in any of the nations ever signed up for this. This has been thrust upon us by the top down. They consider themselves, all the way back to Rockefeller saying it in his own uh, memoirs, that they uh, consider themselves supranational. So as I say, as I try to explain it to people in plain language, this group of people feel that they are the company of planet Earth, basically. And they use the corporations that obviously a lot of the CEOs of the corporations, they consider their stakeholders, you know, in the global public-private partnership. But another thing that is coming to light and, and really getting explained for the first time, I think, is that the difference 
Now, people get upset. Uh, certainly the ADL does when I call this group of people the Fourth Reich, but that's because they didn't study probably uh, the goals of the Third Reich. The difference between this one, and I bring up the 1984, the book, uh, when they're explaining the state in that book, and they're talking about power for power's sake. That um, And in 1984, if people look up the, the uh, passage, he's talking about that in in their state in that book, which is very terrifying, that, um, that the uh, Russian communists and the Nazis in Germany, uh, that they kind of were fools, hypocrites. They didn't understand what they were doing, but that this group in the uh, 1984 book actually does understand what they're doing, and it's power for power's sake, and there's no revolution to uh, change things. Once they get power, they're never giving it back, and that is a lot of what people need to know here. The other thing that's uh, different now, and, and why I call this that, is because this group of people have no allegiance to any nation, to any uh, group, to any flag, to any religion, to any people. This is not about that. They truly feel superior as the gatekeepers, the stakeholders in everything that happens on the planet. So something that wasn't covered a lot in uh, a lot of the coverage I saw was the extraordinary amount of attention. The number two to G, uh, China's G, was given there. He was on stage. He was lauded by many, many people, uh, obviously Klaus Schwab multiple times, but also uh, Larry Fink. Um, and uh, Bill Gates and other people through the years have said, Rockefeller, especially Kissinger, how uh, China, the CCP, runs their, their society, communism, is the best and most efficient way to run a people. So really pushing on there that G's number two was there speaking a lot, being treated like royalty. Uh, there was a lot of stories in the background that Blinken and other people were being pushed aside uh, because this man from the CCP was being elevated so much and had such a big delegation there. And I think it's important when you talk about multipolar world or all of that, and there's a lot of people trying to divide it. You know, this is the US and the NATO allies, and this is China and Russia and India. But truly, what they're talking about in this event and in many events with the UN is actually changing who's running the one world government, not changing that there is one. And so that that is something people need to pay attention to and kind of dig into when they're looking at this whole system is, wait a minute, so China's there, and we know that in the cyber polygon exercise, Russia's very involved, uh, even though they weren't featured here, and there was a lot of rhetoric about Ukraine that we'll get into in a minute. So what are your thoughts on the the idea that the, the hardest part to grasp in this current iteration of this attempt to have a Hunger Games world ruled by this supranational uh, group of elite ol oligarch billionaires is is kind of a little skewed because people can't find the enemy. There is no Germany here. There is no China. There is no U.S. There is no Russia. It's actually a conglomerate, but it's the corporations and the banks that seem to be at the top of it. Yes, uh, to your last point, it is absolutely the central banks and the people who run the central banks who are at the top of all, the, who are at the very top of the pyramid. Um, there are a few things I wanted to say because you hit on so many great points. Um, the first one is the Chinese model is the is the blueprint of what they want in the West, and uh, the social credit score system is coming to the West. This is what they want to do except that over here it's sugar-coated um, uh, it's sugar-coated for us to accept it willfully you know under the guise of 
uh, protecting us and preparing, again, this word of preparing and facing all these, quote, risks, you know, climate change, pandemics, cyber crime. Um, and then obviously another pretext is just uh, the ease and practicalities of modern technology and rendering all these online, all these, for example, government services um, digital. And so there, the walls are closing in on us. Uh, the walls of these uh, our digital jails are closing in on us. But the model is, make no mistake, the same model as in China, the social credit score system. And we've discussed this several times um, this week. And uh, another point that you hit on, you know, this small minority of people that sit at the top of all of these organizations, these organizations are fronts, you know, are coordinating slash PR uh, entities that roll out the agenda and, uh, and publicize the agenda. But as we just mentioned, you know, it's a very small, small group that are at the top of the pyramid, and these are largely their minions. But in essence, this group of people that are driving this uh, agenda forward. And the way you just described them made me uh, think of this Polish psychiatrist I had come across a few weeks ago in my research, uh, whose name is Andrzej Lobachevsky. I'm sure I pronounced this uh, very wrongly. But his field of study um, was what he referred to as political ponerology. Ponerology being the study of evil, and so political Ponerology is the study of evil in a political context. And he coined the term, I believe it was him who coined the term pathocracy. And I find it quite fitting um, uh, in terms of the group of people we're describing because pathocracy is a government by people with mental disorders. And uh, to use a more precise uh, definition of what he said, it was it's a system um, wherein a small patholo pathological minority takes control over a society of normal people. And what we see here, what this psychiatrist has described, is, is, is exactly what is going on. These people, those people that meet, meet at the WEF, the people that control them, their handlers, and the people at the very top of the central banks, they are total psychopaths. We're dealing with psychopaths. I refer to them as the Malthusian psychofreaks yep. because of the eugenics uh, component, you know, right. um, and they want to cull the population and they have um, culled uh, the population. If you just look at the 20th century and the loss of life, the astounding loss of life, when you look at the numbers and then in terms of just absolutely killing people off, but then also just making people sick and harming them and maiming people and sterilizing people. I mean, the 20th century, whether you want to look at biological warfare, whether you want to look at, um, uh, you know, obviously abortion, there are so many different angles in which they've harmed us and attacked our our bodily autonomy and integrity, uh, as we discussed on one of the days this week. So um, we're we're dealing with a with a very small but uh, evil class of people here who believe that they have the authority to rule over over us. But again, nobody elected them; they self appointed them. They self appointed, you know, themselves in these positions of so called power by creating all these vehicles and then just running them.
Yeah, and that is that is the truth. There was, a, I believe, it was about a decade ago. There was a big study done about um, CEOs and politicians that uh, came to the same conclusion that many of them that reach that level uh, are, in fact, uh, cluster B or psychopaths or certainly sociopaths in many ways. I mean, it was a legit study that was out there and, and quoted a lot um, about a decade ago, and certainly uh, that is proving out because a lot of people say, "Well, what do these people?" think uh, is on the other side of the digital track and trace surveillance totalitarian technocratic run gulag that they plan to uh, inflict upon the planet. And, and the truth is, I don't even know if they think that far. It's power for power's sake by any means necessary. Mm -hmm. It's controlling everything on a centralized, you know, resources, people, food, energy, everything under their, their thumb. And the long-term gain is is hard to say, but the short-term gain is to make sure that they get all that power and then at that point, take all the power away from everyone else. And, and it's hard for regular people to think. And you see them up on stage and they're so arrogant and you wanna believe that not all of those people are fully uh, invested in this. But again, as I always say, I think the biggest lie sold to us, uh, certainly in the last 75 years, is the lie that the United Nations is. Uh, some kind of thing where we all hold hands, they'll end all wars, mm. there won't be poverty, all the things that they're saying they need the 17 development goals of their actual plan that they have on all their own websites, Agenda 2030, was what they said the UN was going to be 75 years ago. And if you look at what's happened since the UN and, and the, the what they've done all over the world with developing nations that have never de developed, uh, there have been endless wars, many of them, uh, the US, very prominent in and NATO, which should not exist anymore, and yet does. Uh, none of these wars have been won, uh, you know, won, whatever that means. And everything, the promise of the UN, of course, you and I have explained many times, Rockefeller, Kissinger, Brzezinski, the crown, uh, it was the League of Nations was rejected, mm -hmm. rightly so. They put in this kumbaya type uh, mm -hmm. uh, United Nations idea. The idea is false. That is never what it was about. That is, is, it's always been the goal to get to where they are now. And I honestly believe that the election of people like Donald Trump and other populist candidates mm -hmm. became a real panic button for this uh, this entire agenda because they felt they were so close. And I, I think that they hit yes. the going direct button and bam, one thing after another, pandemic, elections, this and that. And mm -hmm. now we are here and we're watching them and people have to really accept that what they're seeing is in fact real. It is in fact true. And that every single person on planet earth should be taking umbrage with anyone telling anyone how to live their lives or restrict their freedom or their speech mm -hmm. or their thought or their their potential or honestly their their gifts and uh, that God gave them. This is what these people want to capture mm -hmm. and take away. Absolutely. And to the point you just made, you know, they never thought Hillary Clinton would lose. And um, it was a great gift uh, that President Trump decided to run for president and said the things he said during his campaign. And, and also just, you know, what happened during his uh, first term opened the eyes to millions and millions of people, not just in America, but across yep. the world. And so just for that, we have to be extremely grateful for uh, what he did for the world, not just America. But I think what is most difficult for people to understand when looking at all of this, uh, aside obviously just from the sheer evil, because it's hard to understand this level of evil, but I think 
what people struggle to understand is how a plan can be so long-standing. How it, it, you know, you can look at the history and you can trace it back to several centuries. I focus on the 19th and 20th century um, and the post-Congress um, of Vienna um, world, which I think that was a key point in history where they really put to, laid down the plans to bring us to the point where we are today. But so I think people think that human beings are too incompetent to be able to sustain such a plan during such a long period of time. But what I want to say to that is you have to look at these people as a cult that have an ideology and this ideology is an intergenerational. And so they pass it down to their children and to the people that they induce into their cult. And that's why they were able to put together um, this supranational architecture, this supranational system, which is basically closing in on us through all these vehicles. And as you call it, you know, this, this tangled web or this octopus of global governance. Um, and also the last thing that I think people have trouble uh, um, opening their eyes to is that we've been conditioned to view the government as mommy and daddy, who obviously are going to take care of us. And is it is actually 100% the opposite. And so people today don't think that their own government would do them harm, would actually uh, diverse uh, a poisonous um, substance onto the population, would sterilize them, would put all these um, chemicals in water, in food, in, in, um, in things that we consume um, to actually control the population, to use Bill Gates' terms. And Bill Gates coming to... Uh, are making the point, you know, about the psychopaths that are a part of this cabal or this cult. Um, just look at the short clip of Bill Gates talking about the next pandemic right. with such glee, you know. I, I mean, it's easily, um, you can retrieve it very easily, but I put it at the end of my Substack article on Disease X. I ended with that clip um, featuring Bill Gates, and he just looks like a total total psychopath. I mean, he definitely fits into that description, you know, by uh, Andrew uh, Lobachevsky of uh, what is uh, pathocracy. And he is certainly part of this pathocracy that aims to rule and run the world. Yeah. And, and they use all different terms and twist them around. And, you know, there is also Larry Fink, who's the head of BlackRock, which basically it appears owns America or certainly has more power mm -hmm. than than any anyone in government. Uh, he mm -hmm. is also there's a, a famous uh, speech of him talking about how the corporations and banks have to control the behavior of the people because the people, you know, obviously are the problem. This goes back to Rockefeller's other uh, one of his many, including Trilateral Commission Council. Foreign Relations, but also Club yeah. of Rome uh, is a Rockefeller creation as well. Again, Rockefeller is more of a front man. You and um, Richard Poe have done great work at kind of dispelling the myth that it's this one person or it's that one person. And frankly, I believe that the real uh, people, that there are people that we've never heard of, which we'll get into later, yeah. that are all the way up in the banking cartel, certainly many of them in your neck of the woods over there in Switzerland. And they don't want us to know them. But these people like Rockefeller and Soros and Klaus Schwab, they've willingly walked in front of the 
fire to be kind of the faces of all of this. So we have to remember that it's a web and that there's many different spokes yeah. and that a lot of these NGOs, especially we'll get into um, Alex Soros and what he had to say about democracy. Mm -hmm. But um, the truth of the matter mm -hmm. is that what we are talking about is a lot of people that came together over decades and actually hundreds of years, but you're talking about going all the way back to, as I've coined it for many years now, the Poison Ivy League has a lot of these spokes mm -hmm. in them, especially like think tanks and um, mm -hmm. and NGOs, but also mm -hmm. the whole Rhodes Scholar Program, the Trilateral yes. Commission. These are different groups that have been formed as kind of conduits to this. The Council of Foreign Relations, along with Chantham House, work in tandem, yeah. and all of them are working together together at the same time, even the Clinton Global Initiative, people don't even realize that that's another spoke in the same group of people. Mm -hmm. And then you go mm -hmm. all the way down to not just the think tanks, but they they blend in somehow with the intel agencies, both in uh, the UK and the US, that would be MI6, MI5, CIA. Mm -hmm. So, and then the Stanford group, and then the Balfour Center at, at Harvard. And if you look at a lot of this stuff, and which is why I always say to people, go to weforum.org org and put in anything that we're talking about and you're going to see does it they don't hide any of this yeah. information you're going to see dozens of articles and white papers and charts and you'll start to see wow that's they're all coming from these handful of think tanks from these handful of ngos from these universities and it all mm -hmm. again and again and it's not that hard once you start to kind of um, put all the dots together, like you were saying before you even brought up, um, a lot of people don't even believe that Bilderberg exists. And so I wanted you to talk a little bit about how this really plays out. Cause it's not that many people, uh, that are running this, this puppet master game, but they are very obvious. And again, they don't hide it. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's not a conspiracy. It is in our faces and yet people see it. And then because, and we'll get into their whole um, propaganda machine. Again, um, I ask people to go look at World Economic Forum's own website and any of the websites, because another thing, Nora, that people have to know is that Agenda 2030 and the 17 development goals, you can go to any of their conglomerates, meaning the entire international banking cartel, that would be the BIS, World Bank, IMF, the Council of Foreign Relations, the um, mm -hmm. Trilateral Commission, NATO, NASA, Vatican, they mm -hmm. all have on their own websites Agenda 2030 as the goal. So if you can explain mm -hmm. how all these people have the same agenda with a deadline and how that works into it. The first thing I just want to say, because you mentioned uh, Bilderberg, and earlier in the conversation I used the, wor the word intergenerational. And um, uh, at this year's World Economic Forum, you had Queen Maxima of the Netherlands, um, the wife of the king. Uh, and and um, he was actually, when I mean intergenerational, this is a very good example because her husband is the grandson of, um, I forget what was his name. I wrote it on Twitter yesterday. We'll pull that up and uh, we'll pull my tweet and... Uh, the video in a second, if you can play it. But she was on the stage talking about digital IDs and pushing digital IDs. And uh, her great-grandfather-in-law essentially was the founder 
of the Bilderberg Group and of the annual Bilderberg meetings in 1954. And uh, it's important to know uh, that name. And I know your audience obviously will be familiar with the Bilderberg Group because you've done great a great job exposing all these different meetings and entities, et cetera. Um, but one thing I'd like to say about them is if you want to compare them to the WEF, they are, they are like the WEF, but behind closed doors and without the PR. Right. But a lot, a lot of things uh, and a lot of decisions are made at those meetings. And, you know, that's where, you know, the David Rockefellers and all these people, they would go every year, like people that are a bit higher on the ladder than the people at the WEF, because we have to remember, these are all screens, you know, that are placed in order for us not to be able to reach the very, very top of the pyramid. And I don't think we will we will find out who is at the very top of that no. pyramid. I've mentioned this on our longer interviews um, yeah. before, but a question that everybody should be asking and wondering is who owns the Federal Reserve? Who really right. owns the Federal Reserve? Who owns and controls the IMF? Uh, the European uh, Central Bank, uh, the Bank of International Settlements, who sit at the very top of these institutions. We know that uh, the WEF's, um, as I call them, minion in, in chief is Klaus Schwab. Uh, but what about these organizations, you know? Yeah, I agree 100%. And then the other part of this is when you bring up any of these groups, obviously you get attacked majorly online. Yesterday there was a lot of this isn't true and you're a conspiracy theorist and all of that, but people forget that the World Economic Forum and the UN announced during COVID that they had created a group they called the Global Coalition for Digital Safety. And they bragged about 100,000 people that were working with them, many of them young global changers, as per, you know, Polly, Amazing Polly's great uh, report on the young global changers and uh, all these different people that have spread out all over the world, a lot of them through these academic institutions, which are aligned with these people. And they've mm -hmm. created all of these digital armies on top of the AI and all of that. And I wanted people to know about the Global Coalition for Digital Safety at the World Economic Forum, a partner of the UN, and that they have, they call it the global, the coalition is leading the charge in fostering global collaboration for enhanced digital safety, because it's not about misinformation, disinformation. It's about keeping you safe so that they can decide what is real and what is not. When we know their end goal, Agenda 2030, 17 Development Goals, Agenda 2050, even scarier, a lot of the other things that they put out there, this digital track and trace surveillance, communist totalitarian thing. So they want to protect you so that you walk straight into that without any information to stop you and use your critical thinking and your God-given willpower to not go into that world. But the scary part is that um, the World Economic Forum on their own website, I ask you to go look this up, uh, says that this is multi-stakeholder initiative, includes tech giants such as Meta, Amazon, TikTok, Google, uh, Active Fence, Digital Trust and Safety Partnership of eSafety, and includes the governments of Belgium, uh, Singapore, UK, Australia, universities including Oxford and Stanford, and many UN agencies including UNICEF, and UNOCT and UNESCO. So when you are, when they are talking about misinformation, disinformation, digital IDs, controlling the, the narrative, all of that, listen to who they partnered with. 
So everyone yeah. thinks that they're like, I, I, look, our, uh, a friend of mine, Joel Gilbert, who has a great, uh, is a great documentarian, many great documentaries. He had 27 videos taken down two days ago from YouTube. And people think, oh, this is, it's the algorithm. It's this and that. These are the partners of the World Economic Forum that are censoring, silencing, and shutting down. A lot of people uh, after Trump won know about the Democracy Matters document that came out from Crew and Media Matters and David Brock. And it was a whole, and if people don't know it, uh, it is on the resource page at themelkshow.com. Mm -hmm. It is also still available somehow on the internet. I believe it wasn't meant to link, leak, but it's a whole thing on how to, how to censor, silence, intimidate, harass, um, shut, you know, shut people down. And, and really it's very vicious and vile, but this is what they're doing from that level. So people think mm -hmm. of it on, on the individual nation level, that's because they're all working together. But, um, if we could play right now, uh, the, um, clip from the wall street journal, a uh, woman talking about that they are the gatekeepers of information and that this new generation of people like Nora and myself and, and many other people out there are, are the problem. And that is where misinformation is coming from. If you go back really not, not that long ago, as I say, we kind of, we owned the news. We were the gatekeepers and we very much owned the facts as well. If it said it in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, then that was a fact. Nowadays, people can go to all sorts of different sources for the news and they're much more questioning about what we're saying. So it's no longer good enough for us just to say, this is what happened or here's, here's, this is the news. We have to explain, our, almost like explain our working. So readers expect to understand how we source stories. They want to know um, uh, how we go about getting stories. They, we have to sort of lift the bonnet, as it were. And in a way that newspapers you know, aren't used to doing and explain to people what we're doing. We need to be much more transparent about how we go about collecting the news. So you have it right there. They do not want any other. See, this is the craziest part about them continuing this narrative that they're protecting democracy, that they're going into foreign nations under the UN responsibility to protect against all international law, to protect democracies all over the world. You cannot have a democracy when the information is siloed, siphoned, censored, and controlled by this same group of globalist billionaire oligarchs and their partners in Davos. And here we have the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times up there telling us that that is, in fact, their job. No, absolutely. And, you know, on the on the second day of Davos, on the Tuesday morning, which was the first real first day of Davos with full day of panels, we had uh, talked about Ursula von der Leyen's speech. And I think it's important that we replay it uh, today as well in the wrap-up show, because along with the Guterres video that we played earlier, these were two really important uh, special addresses that were given um, in Davos. And um, um, she said something at the outset of that video that set the tone for the entire week, which was the following. She said, the top concern for the next two years is not conflict conflict or climate. It's disinformation and misinformation, followed closely by polarization in our societies. These risks are serious because they limit our ability to tackle the big global challenges. The concern for the next two years is not conflict or climate. 
It is disinformation and misinformation, followed closely by polarization within our societies. These risks are serious because they limit our ability to tackle the big global challenges we are facing. Changes in our climate. And again, she just says it right there. Disinformation and misinformation, i.e. us speaking, yeah. sharing information, exposing these people are blockers to them implementing the agenda. It's, this is, everything is about this. They don't want us to be able to thwart their plans uh, any further than we have been able to. And so um, any form of uh, dissent will be squashed. Any form of disagreement in terms of speech will be squashed. And as I said earlier this week, we are going to see an unprecedented attack on yeah. free speech in 2024 uh, ahead of the uh, presidential elections, uh, particularly. Yeah, and, and probably before that, now again, uh, I ask everyone that's watching this to please go to weforum.org and please look around. I mean, they do not hide any of this. It seems that the, as as you said, rightly so, Nor, on our very first day, you said these are not panels. There is no debate, folks. This is not like when we do panels, uh, when, when we're on tour or whatever, and people are giving ideas and they're rebutting them and they're talking back and forth and they're talking about if they're good, what are the negatives, what are the positives. These are not that and and nor rightly so said that these are basically press conferences they're pr uh conglomerates of coming up and telling yeah. the world exactly what they will be doing and that they will be following it and part of the psychology of these people is they're telling you that you have no choice that this is a done deal that they have decided this for everyone and we're going to get on stage and pick the people that we think are the authorities in this in our parent company of planet earth to tell you what your orders are going forward and that you have no choice and like you were talking about Nora, and i always refer to that interview with uh, bill gates where he has the book manipulating statistics behind him um that a lot of this is based on you know predictive or uh preparing uh, a lot of these are computer models that are coming out of stanford or oxford or wherever they harvard or uh, mit where they are putting in the data they know what they want to be the outcome, and then they point to that data, as we found out uh, in every way during the COVID, when it was like, well, was it peer-reviewed? Was it in one of those journals? Then we all started to look at, well, who's funding those journals, and who's peer-reviewing this, and and where are these models coming from? Who's paying for them the, at the international uh, college or at the MIT? And then it's always going back to this group of the global public-private partnership stakeholders, as Klaus Schwab and they all call themselves. And um, again, they also have a whole panel there and a whole thing about internet governance. Who gave these people the right to have internet governance? And what they've done is they've they've pulled in to be, and like you said, as a cult, and I, I've seen this in, in other uh, high-level elite establishments where it's like just being part of it is enough. Everything that you have to do to be a part of it is fine as long as you're invited. And, and we have a big problem there because... A lot of what's going on is that they just put out January 2024, a white paper on the World Economic Forum website, principles for the future of res responsible media in the era of AI. And uh, they have the media, entertainment and sport 
media and the global social good section on their strategic intelligence page. And uh, it says right here, entertainers and athletes can play a significant role in addressing inequality and other social ills on a global scale as per the World Economic Forum. So what then you have to go to the next level to say, well, who have they, who are their partners in that realm? So it just becomes so uh, organized. CAA. Yeah, exactly. And and we know about, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio and Bono and but we don't know and we know all the everyone that's been listed in the Young Global Leaders pages and and Polly's shows about these people, but maybe all of the people as we've learned with the Pfizer money that um Judicial Watch exposed all the money that was paid to all the celebrities late night yeah. uh comedy people it was played to athletes mm-hmm. to go out there. So the misinformation, disinformation, if you look at what they're saying, they're controlling it. They're the greatest purveyors of disinformation and misinformation and always have been. Yeah. And it's a very coordinated effort. It's not just some happenstance, you know, some celebrity standing Mm -hmm. up or some athlete standing up and saying, you know, go down this road. Don't, don't forget when we were locked down, what was the first thing that happened at home together conference, uh, a concert with Lady Gaga to bring us all together. And then all those people who are world economic forum uh, visitors that sang imagine not even knowing what imagine is about, which is John Lennon basically warning people about, about this, but you know, remember when it was all like the Gal Godot and all those people were yeah, singing it was so ridiculous and out of touch. When they were locked yeah, at home, so and then and then there was there, there. YouTube was featuring all these different celebrities mm-hmm. talking about being global citizens and this whole global citizen thing. So this has been a nonstop thing. But we have to remember when they are talking about controlling the narrative, you have to also pay very close attention to the media, to entertainment, to sports. They don't on their own. The great thing about the World Economic Forum and God bless them for this and only this. They have everything we are saying on their own website, totally laid out in plain English. In fact, if you go onto the World Economic Forum and you put in Agenda 2030 or this the, the phrase global governance, you're going to read exactly how much they believe that nation states no longer matter, should no longer exist, uh, borders are irrelevant, and basically lay out that the Hunger Games scenario of them being in Pan Am and all of us being, you know, in this equity, equitable uh, gulag is is very real because you can also put in certain topics like diversity, equity, inclusion, systematic mm-hmm. racism, um, the transgenderism. You can put in uh, critical race theory. You can put in uh, gun violence. Anything that we are seeing in our own media and all, the media of all of the nations that they've infiltrated is totally coordinated on a massive global scale. Again, how can you say that it's a conspiracy theory when it's very, very clearly laid out? Yes, I wanted to say two things. Uh, I completely agree with you, and we should urge people to go on the WEF website to look at all this stuff for themselves and educate themselves. And uh, on that note, I also wanted to say that I mentioned it this week, but for those who are listening to this for the first time and listening to our roundup, uh, my friend Nick Sharuti and I here in Geneva, we created a website called weandfreedom.com. And uh, it's a repository of different links and articles and videos that people need to watch to educate uh, themselves on the WEF 
World Economic Forum global takeover. And so we put also official um, resources there from the web, uh, website and uh, on the on the homepage, we featured uh, amazing Polly's brilliant video, They Hate Us, and also your video, uh, Mel, your speech in Nashville, which, uh, as I call it, it's, is the ultimate anti-WEF message and just lays it all out there. So we have both of these videos featured, but there are many, many more. And so I urge people who want to further their own research to go look at weandfreedom.com, but it's also structured in a way that it's quite... Um, easy to navigate uh, for people who are finding out about these topics for the first time, because it, it is very overwhelming. You know, they flood the zone with all of these um, terms and this inverted wording that we mentioned as well several times this week. Um, so it's, and they, they have so many entities and so many offshoots and organizations and NGOs, and it's such a tangled web. It's, um, it's hard to make sense of it, but what I do hope that we managed uh, to do with this conversation and also with the coverage during the week is to um, give a picture of the overall, of like a macro picture, if you will, and the overall system in which all of these organizations sits. And you have to understand that they are, the WEF is just one piece of the puzzle, if you will. The UN is another one. I mean, they're big pieces of the puzzle, uh, of course, but, um, but uh, they're just pieces of the puzzle and there are thousands of them uh, yeah, working. And he, yeah. And I want to yeah, say, and, um, I love that yeah. you did this cause you did it for the who too. Uh, cause you've been covering the who very yeah. extensively. I'm hoping to join you, uh, in May when they are supposed to sign this, uh, unacceptable totalitarian yeah. uh yeah. international treaty that is totally uh no american oh biden is expected to sign this and his in fact yeah. the woman that he sent to the world health organization as you've covered uh extensively uh was one of the people that was uh suggesting the worst and most most totalitarian yeah. uh amendments to it so uh you also did a uh we hurt uh uh um we heard others yeah we heard others so yeah, because we we took the yeah we took the initials you know we hurt others who and we and freedom wef and uh it's it's and that's how you we tried it. to just do yeah we just tried to do a a helpful hopefully uh tool for people to navigate all this information because it's very very overwhelming and uh, can be discouraging when you see just the sheer volume of uh of initiatives and NGOs, as I mentioned, and all these groups, it's, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot. I mean, even I, you know, I was, I was studying the, uh, UN, uh, general assembly that took place in September in New York. And there were all these side events and the Rockefeller foundation was so heavily involved and uh, all these smaller, uh, lesser known, um, shadow, financial groups as well were there having side events um uh during that whole week you had uh, prince william um go there with his earth wind shot or earth prize shot whatever it's called um and it's it's a very large tangled web 
And yeah. uh, thank you, Mel, for all the work you do in trying to put some order in all of this. Well, and that's Ian Davis as well. He's done extraordinary work yeah. on this and has really informed me a lot. And I have to tell you that what you're saying also, I think it was shocking to people at the event that you're talking about. You know, I had to leave Manhattan because the controlled demolition of New York City uh, appears mm -hmm. to have been completed at this point. And I have to tell you, uh, it was it was depressing and sad to live there, having been a New Yorker for so many, oh. so much of my life in, in Manhattan. But when they have that event, uh, it was September 2023. You covered it extensively. Um, and I, uh, I they had a big, you know, drone yeah. show and, and, and it looked like Pan Am from from Hunger Games yeah. to me. And it was like the UN and BlackRock was greatly featured, the IMF. Uh, but what was also disturbing was that they brought on the stage uh, the Clinton Global Initiative again, and that the Clinton Global Initiative and Penny Pritzker, who most people People know her from the billionaire family, but also a real uh, O'Biden, Obama uh, inner circle person uh, were on stage talking about that they were going to be rebuilding Ukraine, which was a very big part of that UN meeting um, that I, people oh, should yeah. go look at. But I think it was shocking to many people um, that the Clinton Global Initiative dis was was named and 130 partners, I believe Matt Damon and other people were uh, called out to be partners of the Clinton Global Initiative being part of the rebuild of Ukraine. And then shortly after that, there were articles put out about um, the CCP, BlackRock, uh, JP Morgan, a bunch of big tech companies and other groups that were going to be collaborating in the rebuild of Ukraine to the tune of $600 billion. Yeah. And so when I'm watching this event and you see Zelensky up there saying, give me all this more money, over $200 billion already, <laughs> but give me all this more money because I will protect your security going forward. And what I want people to pay attention to here is, A, I, I feel in my heart so sad for the people of Ukraine uh, that have lost family members. I believe that it's about, now they're saying about 500,000 innocent lives have been taken when NATO could have negotiated, the Minsk Accords could have been honored. Uh, what what um, President Reagan has ne had negotiated for ending uh, the expansion of NATO, there were so many pieces, let alone the 2014 overthrow of the duly elected government there by um, the Obama regime and Newland and McCain and, and Soros being the most powerful person in Ukraine. Uh, a lot of people have memory hold the idea that Trump was, in fact, brought up on impeachment charges that we, the people, funded an impeachment hearing because uh, Donald Trump heard that the Biden administration, before Biden was even a candidate, of course, that Hunter Biden and others were involved in Burisma and that that somehow was involved with our embassy. So everything that's happened in Ukraine, you go all the way back to 2014, to the impeachment. To mm -hmm. Remember, we couldn't say the name of Cimarella and, and all this stuff that was going on and that, what was going on. And then the hearings with Dan Goldman and Fiona Hill, mm -hmm. and they're trying to impeach Trump for asking, as the president, if the former vice president and his son had anything nefarious because Joe Biden went on stage at one of the one of the octopus's tentacles the council of foreign relations and laughed about the billion dollars he was going to hold back if the investigations into Burisma did not stop and the whole the whole crowd at the council of foreign relations are clapping at Joe Biden's pay or play with the council of foreign relations so when you see Zelensky up there on stage and then uh, then we hear that they're going to escalate. They're not willing to talk about peace on Earth 
uh, at all. No, no. They want to escalate it. And then multiple people getting on stage at the World Economic Forum cheering on the continuing of the war in Ukraine. What What are you thinking? Oh, um, this whole destruction slash reconstruction of Ukraine has been planned for a really long time. And um, it was actually quite a um, important point that was made at the World Economic Forum in 2023, last year when I was there covering it. And you had, um, I, uh, I think he is the right-hand man of Zelensky or was the right-hand man of Zelensky at the time, Mikhail Fedorov who was there specifically to talk about the reconstruction. And a few months prior to that, so we're talking June 2022, he had released a very sleek, very, you know, Hollywood-type super production video about um, the digitization of Ukrainian society and specifically of government services. And so they are trying to um, create a test country with Ukraine in terms of how this digital society is going to function. And uh, a, lot, a lot of the money is going towards that to build this kind of model country where everything is digital and um, you cannot function unless you are part of it. Yeah, and even scarier than that is that in 2019, Zelensky, and don't everyone forget that um, Zelensky ran on the on the platform that he was going to unite Russia and Ukraine again and bring that back. And once he got in there, in fact, actually, he's an actor. I know. And once Joe Biden came into office, it was uh, it was game on. But don't forget that uh, there was an article written uh, shortly before that, that uh, George Soros was the most powerful person in Ukraine for some reason. There was plenty of articles on all the people that then jumped into the anti-Russia, pro-Ukraine uh, march to the war that began. Um, there was a lot of articles in The New York Times, in The Guardian, in The Washington Post about how corrupt Ukraine was to the core. And in 2019, Zelensky made a speech at the World Economic Forum also saying that Ukraine was open for business, basically, to all of these things. Also, Sam Bankman-Fried, that is now getting a slap on the wrist, it appears, uh, was all in there with the central bank digital currency test case. And again, it is my belief that the global public-private partnership of the World Economic Forum, of which we are describing, is funding both sides of every war on planet Earth right now, and that what we are being told these wars are about is, is exactly the opposite of what it's about. It is again, about the great reset, about the centralization of control, the multipolar, you know, uh, one world government now, because uh, what we found out also is that in the Palestinian territory, there's a lot of this digital track and trace surveillance being rolled out as well. And that's a partnership with the CCP in that territory that hasn't been mentioned at all. So you got both of these territories. Now it calls for, uh, we, we are about to see the, the ramping up of protecting democracy in Taiwan. But again, there's people from all these nations that are involved in this group that I, the supranational, this, this uh, you know, parent company of the planet that they, that they seem to run around as. Uh, so a lot of what we're being told is is the opposite. And frankly, uh, Noor, you had shared that they're they are talking about already uh, Stoltenberger from, who used to work for Bill Gates, oddly enough, who runs NATO right now, uh, talking about that there will be a full-scale war instead of in negotiating peace now that the we know that the, the 
sides are picked and the BRICS is there and that, you know, China and Russia and Iran and Venezuela and North Korea are all teaming up. So now we have to all team up because World War III needs to escalate to the next level, according to these people. And we really have to keep an eye on that in 2024 on planet Earth, no innocent person on this entire planet should or needs to die in any kind of war under any circumstance yes. for any reason. And the fact that there's nobody negotiating peace and that they are up there at Davos it says to me, follow the money when it comes to wars, because we are dealing with the exact same people. And it has a lot to do with what you're talking about, which is this digital infrastructure, the satellites, the everything that's in place, this digital blockchain to put us all on some kind of control grid. Uh, and that's for whoever, whoever survives to 2030. Absolutely. Listen, uh, coming back to the very beginning of the conversation and quoting from Antonio Guterres's special address, he said, global solutions for global challenges, but it's always the same playbook. They're the ones that create these global problems, whether it be war or, as you were just mentioning right now, um, whether it's cyber criminality, whether it's pandemics, et cetera. I mean, it's, it's always the same. And they want yeah. to now, after wrecking havoc across the world, come forward as the benefactors and saviors they purport to be to usher in these global quote solutions. Yeah, it's and these amazing. inevitably always lead to loss of freedom. Yeah. And and loss and speaking of loss of freedom, uh, we'll we'll wrap up with this. There's so much more we could do, but Nora and I regularly do shows, so you should tune in. Also, make sure that you follow Nora on um, X and on her Substack and me. I am I had to restart X. I didn't get back my channel, so I am at at Mel K Show. So if you could follow me on X, it is uh, the front lines in this information war right now, and I'm trying hard to rebuild there. Nora has a great channel there. She's always uh, sharing things that you won't see any. Anywhere else, very exclusive information because she knows where to look, and that's a big part of it. They silo the information also to keep you confused, to keep the, the chaos going, and to keep the narrative that they are the keepers of truth. But uh, she happens to be one of the best of the best. Um, but I do want to mention and play uh, Alex Soros's clip about uh, Donald Trump and democracy. Um, you know, I um, I don't think that that's the I don't think that that's the fundamental. I don't think the technology is the fundamental issue uh, in, in democracy. Democracy is messy. I mean, you know, democracy is about contestation of ideas. It's about uh, plurality. Um, it's about people having different truths, actually. Now, um, fundamentally, uh, how society lives together um, civically um, in, those, in those contestations um, is, you know, is obviously, uh, is obviously um, you know, quite, uh, quite, uh, you know, quite tricky. But I think that if we play too much on this disinformation card, we're taking the responsibility away from ourselves to actually create a narrative that inspires people to vote and to believe, uh, you know, in um, uh, in uh, in democracy and democratic um, institutions. And on the institutional part, I think that we can talk about uh, institutions as these abstract things, but institutions are also about people. Mm -hmm. And, um, you, know, um, you know, we just heard this, this, this point about untrustworthy people, and we talked about things in the United States like, you know, like um, checks and balances, which aren't written anywhere, but are customs. And one man 
Donald Trump literally came And then they trot this guy out. And I, I mean, what a disgrace that this is supposed to be the heir apparent to the super Soros that has, you know, infiltrated every election and every country with its with its color revolutions and his his open societies, you know, how much this man has been responsible for. And now we're supposed to respect this guy? And it's very shocking, but let's talk a little bit about what he's saying, not just about Trump, but about democracy. Uh, you you saw this yesterday, you watched it a few times, so why don't you give a little uh, commentary on what exactly George, uh, George Soros, Alex Soros is saying, oh my God. <laughs> uh, I watched it uh, a couple of times, but it's, it's so painful um, to listen to, also with all the filler words and and I mentioned, you know, he's he's really high, but his vision of um, society is the complete opposite of what the founding fathers uh, achieved in your beautiful country of the United States of America. And so whatever um, George Soros or his minion son um, um, want in terms of a vision for society, we have to obviously be doing the opposite. Yeah, and it's also, first of all, America is not by accident a constitutional republic. This is where I talk about, you know, a lot, big part of my show at the Mel Kay show, I have on a lot of people a lot smarter than me, and we talk about how history has been manipulated to get us to where we are now, literally to get us to where we are now, from the Rockefellers being involved in education to Operation Paperclip to many other things along the way, uh, Tavistock and Frankfurt School, all this different stuff. You can just trace it and trace it, and you're excellent at that, as is Richard Poe. Um, but the one thing that I do want to say is that the reason that America is not a democracy is because during, if anyone had ever read the Federalist Papers, and um, I have a book coming out uh, later mm -hmm. this year that'll go into a lot of why they didn't, because right. they actually, the founders, when they were getting together and figuring out what to do, which we are going to have to do in 2024 to take back our captured nation, yeah. uh, they looked at all kinds of government from the beginning, from Plato forward and, and Aristotle, all the way through uh, Switzerland, and, right? Switzerland included. Right, yeah. exactly. Switzerland included, absolutely. Yeah, so they went through that, and they Please had long debates. And they had long debates, the founders, and, and when they were hiding out and kind of underground trying to figure out how to, how to organize this whole situation. And I just want to say that the founders believed that a straight democracy was dangerous and would lead probably to another monarchy. And that's because mob rule, if it's 51% controlling the 49%, and that 51% is corrupt to the core, is broken to the core, is, um, is blackmailed maybe to the core, is perverse is violent or whatever. Well, that doesn't work either. And I want to say that Alexander Hamilton, some of these writers, I just think it's important for people to understand the lie of this of this situation that they constantly are protecting democracy. Trump's going to destroy democracy. All of these lies are so easily traced to the idea that we are a constitutional republic by design on purpose. So uh, Alexander Hamilton says, real liberty is not found in the extremes of democracy, but in moderate government. If we incline too much to democracy, we shall soon shoot into a monarchy or some sort of dictatorship. Thomas Jefferson also, a democracy is nothing more than the mob rule where 51% of the people may take away the rights of 49% of the people. And James Madison said, have ever been spectacles of turbulence and contention, have ever been incompatible with personal liberty, and that would be in democracy. 
So we have to understand we are not a democracy on purpose. And anyone that is saying that Trump is going to ruin democracy or that we are going to foreign nations to protect democracy should really take a look at what the founding fathers all the way through to George Washington and others actually thought of democracy, because that is not what we have here. And that is not a real argument. And we've seen it through all the media, all the social media, all of the talking heads, all of the politicians, especially on the left. And um, I what um what do you have to say about that and also especially um Alex Soros's clips of of um Alex Soros speaking about Trump uh no you're absolutely right and so much has been done to sever the american people from their understanding of um what their founding fathers devised in terms of the constitutional republic and uh, this was done by design, and you know it, and you've mentioned it uh, many, many times, that um, the Rockefellers are very much behind this push to capture the American education system. And one of the key things he, the Rockefeller Foundation set out to achieve was precisely this, to sever the American population from any understanding of their history. And uh, I'll just end on this, uh, but... Uh, Alexis de Tocqueville is very known for his book, uh, Democracy in America, but he also wrote a very shorter book um, entitled um, The Tyranny of the Majority. And that exactly is um, what democracy is, you know, it, or can be. Uh, and, it, and the democratic system is used precisely for that reason. Um, and, uh, and I think that Soros and the Open Society on understand that very, very well. Yeah, and they, they uh, feed out that talking points to all of their partners in the global public-private partnership, or as I say, the entity that has captured the United States of America from local to national to federal government level. And at this point, we, the people of the United States, have a choice to make. Now, I just want to wrap up um, one last question for you. Uh, it appears to me that Donald Trump won, won the World Economic Forum. But uh, how do you feel about um, Soros and many other people? You said that Bremer and other people were calling out Donald Trump from stage. He was uh, living rent-free in many of these panels and in many of these minds mm -hmm. and on the uh, topics of everyone's uh, first uh, thoughts while you were there in Davos. So what at the end of this, he had announced while they were there, no CBDCs, he's going to go after the trafficking. So uh, any last words on uh, where Donald Trump is post-Davos? <laughs> oh, listen, there are two things that are happening in parallel. There's this sort of like damage control um, information comms operation going on where they're trying to downplay what it would mean if President Trump would uh, regain his rightful position in the White House. Obviously, we know that the Biden regime is illegitimate, so his rightful position back in the White House. You had Boris Johnson come out with a video, I think it was earlier today or yesterday, and uh, obviously J Jamie Dimon, which we mentioned the other day. So there is this sort of like damage control trying to portray a sort of olive branch being given um, to the quote other side. Uh, and on the other hand, you have people like uh, Ian Bremmer, like Alex Soros, who were on that same panel, 4.2 billion people at the ballot box. 
who um, are um, fear-mongering and uh, very panicked at the idea that uh, President Trump would be back in the White House and how it would be such a disaster um, for Europe specifically because of the situation with Ukraine, because peace might be reached uh, in the region. And they have um, 100% an interest in seeing this conflict conflict continue. And so in many of their um, globalists' geopolitical agenda, it would be terrible uh, that President Trump would regain the White House. So that was obviously uh, um, very much the message over there this week. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to remind people what Donald Trump did do to get in the way of their globalist agenda, including standing on the floor of the United Nations and the World Economic Forum and saying that we will never be a socialist or a globalist nation. We will always be America. And I believe that Donald Trump and most uh, people that align with him believe that every nation is entitled to their sovereignty, to their borders, language, culture, future and destiny to be in their own hands and in the hands of the people within those borders of that nation. Uh, so thank you so much, Noor, and we will uh, catch up real soon. And um, you have done an extraordinary work as usual. Everyone that is not following Noor already, please do follow her. You are, have been an incredible friend to me on this journey the last few years. And I look forward to a lot of work ahead and uh, we will be doing our lives uh, come the World Health Organization event in May. So look forward to that and much between there. Thank you so much, my friend. Thank you so much, Mel, for hosting me uh, throughout the week. It's been an absolute pleasure being on with you. And uh, you just mentioned one of President Trump's most important speeches that he gave. And so I just want to end with his quote where he said, the future belongs to patriots. It doesn't belong to the globalists. And we have to remember this always. Thank you so much, my friend. I really appreciate it. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Speak soon. Well, everyone, that was an incredible week of Live from Davos. There's no one quite like Noor Bin Laden. She does extraordinary work. But what I do want to encourage you to do is to do your own work, because right now we are going to be hit with a major uh, new purge of social media, a lot of censorship, a lot of blocking, a lot of um, manipulation. We are in an information war. This is a cognitive war game that is going on to these people. And as long as they control the narrative, as long as they control you and your voice and your thinking, uh, they win. But as long as you are free, you are brave, you stand up, you speak up, you show up, and you demand that you be heard and not censored. And it, wherever that leads you, uh, be in your lo lo local area, your state, your uh, national area, in, in the arts, in entertainment, whatever your gifts are, whatever your potential is, right now is the time to rise to it. Um, if you appreciate our work and want to support us, please go to themelkshow.com. We have amazing partners that keep us going. I appreciate all your comments, all your sharing, and, and just really know, uh, as I keep saying, and I've said in multiple shows, um, the old saying, they're not after me, they're after you, with Donald Trump, is really, they're not after America. They're after the world, and America is in the way. And stay in the way. Stand up. Be the voice. We want, when people look back at this crucial time in history, this precipice of um, freedom versus tyranny, we want everyone out there to say, this is what I did to make sure that totalitarianism did not take over America and certainly did not take over the world. 
So please be strong and understand that you are on the front lines, every single one of us. God bless you all. God bless America. And thank you so much for joining us this week live from Davos. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for watching The Mel K Show. Please like, subscribe, and share. Be sure to join us seven nights a week on the front lines in this information war. See you there. The world must embrace its national foundations. It must not attempt to erase them or replace them. Looking around and all over this large, magnificent planet, the truth is plain to see. If you want freedom, take pride in your country. If you want democracy, hold on to your sovereignty. And if you want peace, love your nation. Wise leaders always put the good of their own people and their own country first. The future does not belong to globalists. The future belongs to patriots. The future belongs to sovereign and independent nations who protect their citizens, respect their neighbors, and honor the differences that make each country special and unique. It is why we in the United States have embarked on an exciting program of national renewal. Givederm is a luxurious, toxin-free skincare that actually works. Not only do we take the toxins out, we put the most powerful nutrients in. All of our products are an effective way to detoxify, replenish, and protect your skin. Our toxin-free, natural ingredients provide real results without compromising your skin's health. Unlock the secret to beautiful, healthy skin using this synergistic skincare system. It's never too late or too early to begin living a more beautiful life with Givederm. Natural, healthy skin. So head on over to themelkshow.com, go to the partners page, click on Givederm, use the code MELK and get a great discount right now. Mel K here. I am loving Rumble and I hope you are too. I am so excited about the year ahead. In 2024, we're going to have lots of exclusive content. We're going to do some Q&As. We're going to have lots of fun. So make sure you are subscribed to the Mel K Show at Rumble. Seven nights a week, I have a new show and it's going great. So join me over at Rumble and everywhere there's free speech. I will be there. Thank you so much, guys. Looks like you've been sleeping well. Megan, he's back. The My Pillow guy. And you're looking good. I'm still feeling good. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, we've got the best pillow ever, My Pillow 2.0. <gasps> when I invented My Pillow, it had everything you'd ever want in a pillow. Well, now there's new technology that makes it even better. My Pillow 2.0 has my patented fill combined with a cooling fabric with temperature regulating thread. My Pillow 2.0 is truly the next generation of My Pillow. Now's the time to go to mypillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use the promo code to save 50% on your My Pillow 2.0. Not only that, for a limited time your entire order ships absolutely free. You're sleeping even better and cooler too. And you're looking good. Feeling good. I knew you would. MyPillow.com.